Now, get ready to talk hockey. Streaming from the Oilers Live Studio. Subscribe or follow today. Hey, 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 it's Michael here for another edition of Oilers Live. This time we're not post-game. This time we're not on a Tuesday night. We are post-Dave Tippett. I think that's just uh, how we could say it. We're post-Dave Tippett now in oil country. Uh, and so to mark this occasion, uh, we've got a roundtable of heavy hockey contributors tonight. Uh, I've got uh, Mr. Josh Bolton, who does uh, Tough Call podcast, very popular with Maple Leafs fans. Welcome, Josh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> God, that's all I get is a laugh. I've got Dash, Dash in the Park on Twitter, one of the uh, co-hosts. Uh, I'd love to hear which one you think is the better one, uh, Dash, Durst, or uh, their guest, Oilers Live, when he's on there. Uh, but uh, you can find him on Twitter at Dash in the Park. Welcome, Dash. Thank you for having me, Michael. Uh, I'm I'm scared here because I'm going to go to Durst uh, second third before I finish off the intros. <laughs> we've got we've got Durst second half of the uh, Dash and Durst show straight off the pipe. Uh, generally uh, Sunday nights, but uh, been post game lately. Uh, welcome, Mike Dursa. Hello, everybody. Thanks for having me, Mike. <clears throat> always happy to have you. And one of our best ho- heavy hockey contributors uh, writes pretty regular articles on there. And um, uh, my favorite, actually two of my favorite articles, your deep dive into the lines, uh, only found at heavyhockey.com. The man himself, Ryan Lotsberg. You can find him at on Twitter at lots18924510. 100. I don't know. It's a whole bunch of numbers. He'll change it at some point. Lotsy. <laughs> it's yeah, Lotsy. Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, no. That's right. Hey, there's an idea for you. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Speaking of respect. That's right. oh, wait, that's our ESPACT. My bad. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, guys. Here's the rundown. Uh, Oilers lost last night to one of the worst teams in the league. Um, you know, and in fact, um, you know, they've lost back to back. They've scored one goal in two games. Uh, they are currently sitting outside of a playoff spot. They're going into the second half of the league or league second half of the season. Something had to give Ken Holland. Uh, although after all of the insiders announced it, um, fires Dave Tippett. I'm just uh, let's uh, Lati. Let's stop. With, start with you. That's that's your uh, creative hockey nickname, uh, Lati. That's the best one we've got. Uh, your thoughts? Did you expect it today? You know, uh, what was your initial thought when you heard the news? That kind of caught me a little off guard, just because he was so adamant about not doing it prior to the, the last stretch there, like. I thought the prime time to do it would have been back when we were 11 or two, 11 and two, or like right, basically the Calgary game in that time or just coming out of the COVID break somewhere in there. But uh, I mean, I was in attendance for the Chicago game last night and yeah, that's following the Vegas game up with that kind of game is definitely the kind of game that gets a coach fired. So I 
not a little surprised should have happened sooner, but here we are better late than never. Yeah, 100%. And uh, you know what? Um, after post-game last night, although I didn't get a chance to tune in, but Mr. Dursa uh, grabbed one of the other Oilers fans. They went live for straight off the pipe. And uh, it sounds like you guys were the uh, catalyst for Dave Tippett getting fired, if, uh, if I could believe everything you have to say. Uh, and... Uh, you were pretty uh, pretty adamant that this was the time. So were you surprised? What was your feeling, Durs? And any questions you might have for us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was surprised uh, when I heard the news this morning that it actually happened. I think it's, it's kind of been brewing here for a while, and I, I was kind of shocked that it actually happened today. You know, we went through that stretch where we couldn't get a win, um, and that's when I thought the time was up. Uh, so to hear that news today and to actually hear that it was Jay Woodcroft that was going to be coming in to be the replacement, uh, it, it definitely surprised me. You know, I, I'd been hoping um, Jay would kind of get a promotion here and, and uh, glad that he did. And I, I am excited uh, for Jay and I think he's earned this. And I'm excited for Dave Manson to come in because there's definitely been a problem on our back end with coverage and uh, you know, being hard to play against and all that. And I, I, I have a fond memory of Dave Manson beating the crap out of somebody just inside our blue line when I was little. I don't remember who it was, but I remember he played the game very hard. So uh, I'm hoping that kind of gets instilled with our, our group on the back end. Yeah, yeah, Dave. Uh, the Dave Matson piece, which uh, you know I keep leaving out of this news, uh, is actually pretty big news. Um, and Dave Matson, yeah, was a was a. I think if anybody ever played against him, they'll they'll tell you he was hard to play against. Uh, Wait, Dave Matson's yeah. coming as an assistant coach? <laughs> I thought we signed him as our new seventh D. Yeah, well, he probably could. <laughs> Oh, and so, I'm Dash, I mean, you... Uh, I that was the truculence we were going to need there. You're, you're was, in uh, on this now. So, I mean, what's your thought? Were you surprised by this at all? Uh, surprised? Yeah, I was surprised for sure. I think I'm on record with you guys talking about, you know, that Tippett's not getting fired. And I'll, I'll take my lumps now if you want to give them to me. But um, that was also after a six-game losing streak. Nor Nowhere in my mind did I ever think that after that 16 losing streak we were going to win two and then lose seven more and and then go seven 13 and three since December like he was left no choice and you know I, I my gut feeling was you know even though I didn't think it would happen is that it's just way too late um you know we're, we're playing 40 games in 81 days and that's not a lot of time to practice a system um, you know, to try to implement something, but yeah, something had to give, right. I think whether it was the play over the Oilers over the last three games, whether it was, um, starting Smith because Smith asked to start or whether it was the Keith injury where, you know, Holland looks at it and goes, well, Broberg and Nima line, and they're going to be needed now. We might as well bring up the guy that knows how to deploy him. So, um, yeah, surprised, um, but too late. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know if I disagree with you on that. Uh, Josh save the best for last. Mr. Tough call pod, the man loved by Leafs fans everywhere. Just tonight. Yeah. Sorry, oh, and, uh, by the way, clean. I'm going to put it out there. I want to, I want to, um, I do want to <laughs> dash, dash, 
Dash what? is like uh, <laughs> he's what? he's saying how great he is in the comments. Uh, uh, that's a hacker account. Yeah, a hacker <laughs> account, obviously. Some, uh, some <laughs> troll, just a big troll. That's all. I, I do want to point out that uh, Josh is repping uh, behind him uh, Halifax Citadel's uh, jersey, which um, for those of you Let's... East Coasters would know the Citadel's a very prominent team back in the day. Not that long ago, actually. What, 20 years now, is it? Yeah, not that long ago. I used to go to games as a kid, and I'm only 25. So Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> He's also hosting a blanket the size of Durst's bathroom. <laughs> that's, yeah. Well, I tell you what, I'm all in on this decision. And yeah. I last night I was ready to give up on the team. I sent a message to you guys in the private chat saying who's my yeah. how should I pick my new favorite team? Because I can't watch this anymore. Yeah. And now I'm all in. It's like the Oilers threw up on me. I got all the gear going. <laughs> when Evander Kane got signed, all of a sudden the media was saying we only had two and a half forwards and we signed one player and all of a sudden we're the deepest team in the NHL. So I figure if we fire our coach, we got to be the best led team in the NHL now, according to everybody. So I am all in. I got all my gear on. I'm wearing it with pride. And, and let's just see where it goes from here. Now, um, I, I was surprised by the decision. Yeah, I was because it should have been made a while ago. If yeah. you didn't know, Tippett threw up a big red flag last year. He played four players for like 55 minutes a game in the playoffs and they still got swept. Uh, so he's basically saying, I don't know what to do with this roster. Give me something to work with or let me go. They chose to give him some new pieces. It went well at the start of the year. But when I saw the lineup last night, I wrote you guys immediately and said, what is mm -hmm. going on with the lines here? This is ridiculous. This is a man who has panicked. He does not know what to do with this group. And I was losing my mind. And then so I was very excited to see the news today i was just extremely surprised because all the signs were there prior to this yeah yeah you know i and and i'll i'll say that i like i was incredibly surprised by this in fact i had a couple of folks uh sending me dms on twitter after last night's game uh that felt you know like this was that was the last straw right like there were a lot of people and and a couple of them said ah tippet's gone and i said there's no way like you know holland just isn't that guy i mean he's never fired a coach midstream and midseason yeah. and and uh you know it's look i you know it just it is it is what it is but i'm pleasantly surprised and and a little bit upset that it didn't happen sooner uh, but it is, it, you know, as I keep saying, it is what it is. Now the team's got to move on. Uh, I want to know, uh, because to me, this Jay Woodcroft thing is a really, a, like this to me is a great Oilers feel-good story right here. Like this is a guy that's, you know, he's uh, he's been a good soldier for the Oilers organization <laughs> you, know, he, you know, he didn't like he didn't leave. Right. Like when. McCullough no, we should left, thank right? Shirelli for this. You yeah. guys, instead of demoting him and firing him or sorry, instead of firing him, he gave him the AHL job. Yeah. If Shirelli just gets rid of Woodcroft, we're not in this situation right now. Yeah. But I, you know, fire, fire Pete. I Cheers, like, bud. Uh, I like, you know, I like Woodcroft. There's a lot of things to like about him and, and he's done well in the AHL. I mean, it is a different league. The NHL is far from being a development league and, and we can't, uh, 
you know, as we know with Eakins, we can't expect a guy to come in from the AHL right away and, and perform uh, admirably. But, you know, Make my, Schultz a Norris Trophy winner. My big, my big opinion on this is, you know, a lot of the challenges with the Oilers are about in-game coaching. Not, it's not even systems, right? It's not, although the defensive system I think it could is use, partly it systems. Could use, well, it always is. It always is. The defensive system could use some work, for sure. But there's a lot of in-game shit that's happening that, needs to, that needed to stop over-utilization of players and a lot of other things. Uh, but, you know, it, the key to me is, uh, and what I want to talk about right now, is what you guys think about Woodcroft and Matson, maybe Dash... Uh, I'll ask you because uh, I know you're dying to say something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, I well, Dave Manson automatically becomes the toughest and most intimidating oiler, um, whether he's behind the bench or not. So that's good. Um, I don't know. I, I could probably have a lot to say on Woodcroft. So I don't know if you want to go to me first. Um, you know, this is obviously a good fit. I, I love that we're bringing up somebody that. Uh, has the familiarity with these players. Um, he really does coach kind of anti-Tippett. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, Tippett, you and Michael and I have talked about this several times on air, off air, is, you know, Tippett's treatment of rookies versus veterans. And, you know, how many rungs down the ladder you drop when you make a mistake as a rookie versus, you know, what happens as a veteran. And Woodcroft has always been the coach that'll give his young guys a, a, an opportunity and figure out how to deploy them in a way that, that, you know, suits the entire team. You look at the defense that him and Manson have put through Bakersfield has actually been pretty impressive, you know, looking back to Bear and Jones who are later round picks and developing them. And, you know, we've seen Nima Linen now. Was he a fifth or sixth round pick? And he looks like he might be NHL ready. Samarukov's a second or third round pick. He looks like he might be NHL ready. And if you look at some of the uh, second and third pairing guys down in Bakersfield, they're actually performing above uh, what their expectations are too. So he's figuring out defensive pairings through his analytics and through what he's doing to be able to know how to deploy his team properly. Whereas, uh, you know, the anti-Woodcraft or the tip of way was go with the lines, roll three lines, give the fourth line three shifts, roll three lines until you're losing, which is almost immediately is an oiler. And then you go back to the big boys and you ride them until you, until you either win or you don't. Right. And so this will be strategy. Yep. Very much uh, looking forward to see how Woodcroft's deployment is. And I'm just talking personnel wise. I could go on for another 10 minutes about systems, but you, you can ask me about that later. Yeah, well, it, it, but you talked to something that I just was talking about, right? Like systems are obviously a challenge. We're not going to have, uh, it, we're given the schedule we have, Woodcroft's not going to be able to come in and, and develop, you know, his style of play or desire immediately, right? Um you know, it's just not a lot of practices in between games, right? But um, so it's got to be in-game coaching, and that's something we've been screaming about for a little while. Durs, your thoughts on Woodcroft and and Manson? Well, you know, everybody. I mean, you got the Woodcroft poster behind you. It's, yeah, it's I, put him, I put him up. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I look at last night's game, and I see kind of some of the same things that have been a problem with this team for a while um, D zone coverage is, is an area of major concern and it didn't seem to ever get addressed. It, it didn't seem to ever get sorted out. Everybody's quick to 
point fingers at, at the goaltending. Well, the goaltending looks a lot better if they're not seeing the amount of high danger chances this team gives up. You know, there was a there was a problem with this team against the Chicago Blackhawks in that play-in series. Chicago tipped a lot of pucks in, and I thought that was the reason why we lost. They got too many gifted goals off of face-off plays from Chicago guys tipping pucks in um, against Winnipeg. You know, our D-zone coverage got it, got exploited there. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, Dave Manson uh, really ad- addresses that. And, yeah, I mean, there's questionable decisions. I mean, there were so many times where Tippett would do something that showed like a flash of brilliance, and then he would – decided to fix what wasn't broken. You know, I talked about it last night, splitting up uh, Nuge, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto when they were the hottest line in the NHL for no reason <laughs> at all. You know, that that kind of stuff, I, I don't think Jay is going to overthink it. When when it's working, it, you know, it works. So don't don't go away from it until you have to. That, that kind of thing is what I'm excited to see. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we're all in that boat. Let's see. You like Woodcroft? Hate him? Wish they'd hired somebody else? Oh, like I'm actually very excited about Woodcroft. Um, just listening to a lot of his interviews that he's done over the years with, uh, like, during his time in Bakersfield, like, he's very well-spoken. And, like, he's got a positive demeanor. He's very candid about what's going on with his players, where they're at in their development. And I expect that to be the case when they're talking face-to-face as well like I, I just think he has the right mindset to work with today's generation of player which they, they need to know the why of things not necessarily just have a coach yelling and scream at him screaming at him saying just do it right um the other point i had on woodcroft is we talk all the time about how you need young talent to develop within the system if you're going to have a contender that contends for a long time well, that should apply for coaches too. And we have to have a great one that's been developing in our system for a long time now. And that's Woodcroft. And he's finally getting his shot, which is awesome to see. We've seen, like, look at all the big name coaches we've had in the last few years. Like, it's been McClellan, it's been Hitchcock, it's been Tippett. And we're right back here at square one, right? Failure with all three of those big names. So, yeah, like, I think it's awesome that we're promoting from within and going to the first time coach. And it's not as if Woodcroft's like totally innocent and ignorant. Like he's been behind the bench on multiple NHL teams for a long time. He's run the show in the AHL. So I think it's a good fit and a good move. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more on that. I think, uh, I think it's a great move. I, I, you know, what I like about it is Woodcroft knows McDavid, right? I mean, we're, you know, uh, that's one of our big concerns, right? Is McDavid obviously. And, and, you know where he goes, and and uh, and Drysital for that matter, and and Woodcroft knows those guys, uh, knows them well, you know, and and so this is not like some new coach coming in who's, you know, got to build up a rapport with them. I think he's respected. Uh, I, I would expect that he's uh, respected with the players, and and um, you know something. And Josh, I'll, I'll give you the last word on this Woodcroft piece. But one of the things that I had been thinking about is, you know, we've had. Over the past couple of seasons, we've had young players come in, you know, playing that depth role, you know, the Legasins, the Samarukovs, you know, the Ethan Bears. These are guys that came up from the AHL, right? And, and uh, you know, they played roles where in uh, Samarukovs, maybe the exception to this rule, he had a couple of really 
bad shifts and then sat on the bench for the rest of it. But you got to think that these guys talk, right? Like, you know, you're going to tell me Legacy's never talked to Samarukov or, or Bear and said, like, I hate that Tippett guy, right? Like, you know, I make one mistake and I never get to play again. Or in Legacy's, uh defense, I have a really good game and I still get sent down, right? You know, like, you know, or, or Ethan Bear, you know, I make literally one mistake and you're going to, you know, tar and feather me. Um, I just think that, you know, if you're a depth guy on a, on a Dave Tippett team, you're not feeling all that confident in the team, you know, and that has got to affect your play somewhat. And I think that's, you know, Woodcroft's going to change that. And, and, um, obviously he knows these guys, he knows legacy he knows, you know, and, and, you know, the depth of this team is what everybody's been talking about that we need although i would argue we need we need our top players to start producing too i think we can all agree on that uh they've been a little bit silent as of late but i i think the whole sort of culture of the team needs to change and i think woodcroft's the right um, right guy to get that done and Matson as well you know you need a uh, you, you want a guy that uh, knows how to play the game hard and tough and get heavier, and, and he's definitely one of those guys. So, Josh, your thoughts on Woodcroft and, and Matson? Well, first of all, Michael, don't ever feel bad about jumping in and giving your opinion. You're allowed to speak as well <laughs> up there from your little perch looking down on us. That's, good. <laughs> That's right, from my perch <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited. And Lossy, I think you you picked up on a really good point is is the right coach for today's NHL player and I think that Woodcroft is about about as far from the regular coaching carousel of the same 30 or 32 guys that that teams are willing to go so that shows a little bit uh it's an ingrown coach and we know Holland is very big on development within the organization and bringing up I think this is definitely the right move um and just to embrace the, the creativity of the players. And uh, Michael, that's a great point about the, the people not feeling like they're able to contribute or, or be part of it. Um, you got to have a mindset where you're going to go with who's working on any given night. And you, 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 I don't know, like I appreciate what Tippett has done and, and thank you for your service, Dave, if you watch this show, I don't know. Um, <laughs> big, big time watcher, big time, you know, watcher. Yeah. The, coaching is a difficult, thankless thing. And, and I always say you got to stick to your own guns and what you believe. But there's there's the idea of picking the right coach for the team you have. And I don't think Tippett was it with the, with the type of player he had on his roster. I don't think he knew how to manage. And I don't know if he's ever really dealt with a big-time superstar before. And, and, and maybe that was a little bit overwhelming for him. I don't know. I'm not there. But but you're absolutely right. There's a little bit of chaos, not knowing who you're going to play with on any given night, not knowing what kind of minutes you're going to see every single night. It's a little bit hard to get into a routine and feel good about yourself if you're always on edge. And when things start to go wrong, you know, well, I don't play in this situation. So all of a sudden, your head's down. You're not ready to go. And if your name happens to get called maybe you're not in the right mindset to deal with that. So I'm very excited to see a coach that that knows the players, first of all, but is willing to probably put them in situations where they're more likely to succeed than not succeed. That's what I'm looking forward to most. And, and Woodcroft is is a guy that's been a student 
of being a coach, right? Like he's, uh, you know, he's learned how to be a coach, right? He started in the video ranks of all things, right? Like, you know, uh, video coaching, which, you know, has a lot to do with game preparation and all those pieces. Like this is a guy that, you know, he understands all of the facets of coaching and is now, you know, the big boss behind the bench. And I, you know, I think, look, yeah, we're not going to do any worse. I'll tell you that. Um, my big, uh, thing, and we're, we're going to talk about this, whether Holland, you know, if Holland needs to make the playoffs in order to keep his job, um, is this going to be another Todd Nelson thing where if Holland's gone at the end of the season for, you know, underperformance, uh, does a new GM, unfortunately give, uh, Woodcroft the boot? Yeah. Which would be a sad, I think, state of affairs in, in oil country if that happened, I, I think given our reputation as being coach killers uh, in Edmonton, I think a new GM might be a little bit more hesitant to do that. Uh, okay. Um, That's what they said about Holland. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. They, uh, we've got, uh, I mean, there's lots of news happened in oil country today. Probably, you know, for an off day, this is one of the biggest news days uh, we've had. Uh, Duncan Keith uh, is out. Uh, what for two to four weeks uh, concussion protocol uh, Cassian uh, is out um, I think eight to ten weeks if I'm not mistaken uh, with a fractured jaw uh, from the puck he took to the face uh, they've called a couple of guys up they called Broberg up they called um, uh, Nima Linen up uh, you know what, um, what I mean what's your What's your thoughts, Josh, going into, like, what do the Oilers need to do before game 50, like six, the next six games in order to kind of give them a, a real shot? Do they need to run the table, run the six? Do they, or, you know, is a four and two good? Like, you know, what are we expecting right out of the gun? I'll start with you this time, Josh. Well, I did go through the schedule uh, a little while ago and pick out games I thought were must wins and games where I thought we could, maybe Chicago was a must win, I assume. Right. (laughs) As far as I knew, we had two games more against Chicago going into that last night. And that was definitely one of the must wins. We need those points because other teams that we're trying to catch are going to get those points. Yeah. That's, that's a team that people are going to beat. Um, So I was a little disappointed in that, but we were able to, to squeak a point out there the other night, uh, a point that wasn't necessarily needed or expected. So, you know, there's give and take here and there. If if you're going to throw away one of the must wins, you can, there's still space to make that up down the road. Um, but it's got to happen soon. And unfortunately, uh, we're going into a stretch where we probably need to win for the next six based on the opponents from what I'm looking at. Um, and, and this is the time where you kind of want to play with your roster and, and see how things go. And, there's just not the wiggle room to do that uh, for a new coach. So, but, so I think there's going to be a lot of uh, on the fly, but I think the game management idea, I think you get a sense of who's going each night and who, and who's ready to roll. And and I think that a coach who's going in with like, with a little bit of different expectations, um, he hasn't established who his go-to guys are yet. He hasn't established the style of play that he is going to reward. So, so players I think will be a little eager to reset themselves. Maybe players that aren't producing a lot right now 
are, are going to look at this as a fresh chance. Okay, I got to I got to impress somebody right now so that I can get in. And that little bit of motivation, and, and I think if it's encouraged or nurtured enough with the right guys, will provide uh, a little extra spark, the sort of boost a new coach and the new energy will give. Um, it might not last, but I think it's going to be there. There's going to be some sort of a spark in some people that aren't producing right now to realize that if I don't produce now, then I never will or I'll never get that. Yeah, never uh, get that shot again. You know, this is my time to shine. And yeah. hopefully if enough guys feel that way and feel that lift off their shoulders where, you know what, this guy maybe values what I bring to the table more than the last guy did. So I'm going to do it extra hard now. And, it's accountability, and, you know, right? That's, that's, what, that's what I'm hoping yep. for. You hope half of them are going to say, I really want to keep my job. And the other half are going to go, holy shit, I got a new lease on life. Yeah, exactly. A new lease on life. That's a beautiful phrase. Yeah. Uh, Lotsi, your thoughts on that? Like what, uh, before game 50, we got six games. I mean, do you know, is, is it important? Do we need to be four and two? Do we need to be a six and oh, or, or can we, you know, go 500 to stretch and still hope to make the playoffs? Your thoughts? I mean, I'm a writer. I'm not a math guy, but if you're trying to do <laughs> math in my head, four and two, you're winning. If you're winning two thirds of the games, three quarters of the games, the rest of the way, I think that's more than enough to get you into the playoffs. So, I mean, these, this specific six game window, as long as you're not rolling two and four, I think we're okay. I think what needs to happen first and foremost is we need, Woodcroft needs to get a set of lines that are somewhat consistent. That we need to have some pairings and groups gain some chemistry. We need to have the players become comfortable with Woodcroft and vice versa. And uh, even on the back end too, with Manson, the B core has to get comfortable with Manson and Manson has to get comfortable with them, right? There's going to be a learning curve for everybody involved because there's new people in charge. And I think six games is an adequate amount of time to kind of get used to each other for the most part, at least get comfortable with each other to set yourself up for success for the rest of the season. Yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, I'm saying six games because 50 is a nice round number. Uh, it might be, you know, that um, you uh, you get the, the final 30, like go to the final 30 games. Uh, you know, I know uh, coaches, a lot of them like to break up the season, right, and either fives or tens uh, and go that way. Um, and, and that might be what they're going to be looking at, right, is, is how do we get out of this next stretch and get into that sort of final – final maybe a third of the season uh, into a, into a playoff spot. Uh, Durst, your thoughts? Like, what do we need at these six games? Four out of six would be nice. Uh, two out of three in California, I think is crucial. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, you know, if you could drop a game, maybe the one on Friday, but you, you don't want to, you don't want to extend this losing streak. I mean, you got to snap out of it. And for me, the biggest thing that I'm going to be paying attention to is what, what is their play level actually like, like, do they start to elevate their game? Do they actually get that coach's bump that everybody talks about? And, you know, does their coverage uh, in their own end start to improve? And, you know, the last few games we've been watching Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and to be honest, it's been boring. I mean, I, I want them to be an exciting team to watch again and, you know, have that zest for being on the ice and, you know, how many guys can we talk about that are are in a slump right now from the forward group? I mean, there's so many of them. So hopefully, you know, some line consistency and kind of a, 
a smiley face to come to the rink again and uh, they start enjoying being professional hockey players again and and then they get going you know it's it's been kind of depressing the last few games watching this team play yeah dash i know you probably only have a couple words to say but your thoughts on the next uh six and how that looks um well uh, thanks for that uh okay let's move on <laughs> no, well, said. Yeah, well, well said well said i agree all right go ahead dash sorry that's all good five fifth in the pacific uh 49 points we're one point ahead of the sharks we're six behind the ducks we're six behind the kings 49 points if we want to get to about 99 points which maybe gets us to the playoffs that's winning 25 more games so we got to go about 25 and 13 down the rest of this season that's a tough hill uh, that's winning twice as many games as you're losing. And with what we've been putting out there, I, I don't know. As far as the six games, um, as much as I'd like to be a real positive homer with rose colored glasses on, um, man, these are tough teams, you guys. Uh, the Islanders play a tough game. They've been coming around and playing better lately. That's a trot system. San Jose plays big. They're right behind us. That's a three-point game. The Kings play a big are a big team they like to grind they're six points ahead of us then we got anaheim ahead of us that's another team that plays hard then we play winnipeg then we play minnesota then we play tampa like boys this is a grind it's coming like it's ever coming and i don't know what do we need out of these next six games well the same thing we need out of the next 30 we got to win twice as many as we lose yeah yeah good point i mean that's exactly that's exactly how it's got to be and and uh you know, it just sort of solidifies like where, you know, what, like, let's ask the question, what the hell was Holland thinking? Right. Like waiting until this point. Right. I mean, His hand was forced. you know, he, he went, yeah, well, it had to be right. Because he went, uh, Tippett went five, two and one in the last eight. So clearly it's not the record anymore. Right. Like this is, this is something that, you know, there was a last straw it's just the last straw should have been 10 games ago, right? And to some, the last straw, the last straw Chicago. should have been playoffs. <laughs> what was well, that? Again, yeah. You can't watch that Chicago game and, and feel confident in what you're bringing to the table. Yeah. It's, it's just not right what was happening. And that actually, the Chicago game, I think, I mean, it might have been the last straw because of the like insanity of it all, right? Like the line that he put out, the lines he put out there. Starting, that first period was the first Smith worst defensive period of hockey we played the entire season. Yeah. That first period was a fucking joke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's uh, it is a crazy thing. So, okay, guys, you know, we've talked about all these things happening. Let's open up the floor. I mean, there's lots to talk about, right? I mean, there's... Um, Goaltending, there's a couple things. We're going to close her down at about, uh, well, it's just about 5 to 11 right now, or what time is it out in uh, Oil Country right now? 5 to 10? 5 to 10. 5 to 10, that's right. I was, I was, just, I was, I was just on with Friesen at, uh, uh, in, on Central Time uh, doing 99 Forever. So, uh, Oh, you wasted all your good stuff. I, I wasted every. I got lots to talk about. Uh, yeah, so we're going to go for, uh, let's go until, uh, half past and then call it a night. Um, 
But let's talk, uh, you know, a, a couple questions. Let's just go to the uh, chat here. I uh, want to thank Shannon. Always tuning in. Thanks, Shannon. Uh, Ryan. Shannon and... is actually Ken Holland's burner account. <laughs> yeah, that's Shannon... right. That's right. Josh was wondering if he listens. It's, that's a... <laughs> Shannon is actually Ken Holland. Uh, we got Ryan too. He um, he's asked a question about which goalie would be the best trade for us. Um, you know, that's something that uh, obviously needs to be discussed. Uh, and you know, after the presser today, I mean, how much confidence do you have in? in uh, Holland making a trade. I mean, none of us, when I asked the question earlier, were you surprised with Holland firing Tippett? Everybody was a little bit surprised it actually happened. So are you going to be a little bit surprised if he actually makes a goalie trade, right? I mean, jump ball, guys. I mean, what do you think? And if and if he does make a goalie trade, who are we going after? Uh, my pick, uh, you know, I think, and I've been talking about this for a while. My pick, only because it's a Holland type of trade, and it and it seems to work, is uh, Vejmelka out of Arizona. I haven't heard otherwise that he's not available. He's been playing, I think, lights out for a team that is absolutely horrendous. Uh, and uh, if, I don't know. He's got like a 950 save percentage, which would make him yeah, – it's not quite 950, but he's got a really good save percentage on a team that's not that great. He, um, I think, is an RFA next year or uh, UFA, actually, because he was signed a little bit older. He played in the Czech League, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to look all that up. But you could probably get him for a little bit cheaper. And uh, I think Arizona's got the space to absorb what everybody wants them to absorb, which is a cost. They're also contract. playing at ASU next season, so they don't want to spend a lot of money exactly. on their payroll next year, I don't think. Although somebody's got to take something in exchange. So, you know, payroll, they just need to – it might need to um, – like Koskinen's got to go in the trade or something, but that's a good point. I'm going to snap here, Michael. I'm going to snap. Yeah. We don't need to make a trade for a goalie. All right. We don't need to change our roster. We've never seen what this roster can do. We've never applied it to its full potential. Great How point. many different bottom six guys have we had in the last five years? They can't all be that bad. There's <laughs> something about it. How many yeah. goalies have we chipped off to other organizations and they've flourished? Yep. There is something going on where it's the culture thing. It is not a roster thing. Ken Holland can, has made many deals that should have improved this team, and it hasn't. We need to let this – this situation is what we're in. We have pretty good goaltending. We have to clean up what goes on in front of them and around them first before we can even look at what kind of performance they can make. I mean, to Josh's point, the plan was to roll with Koskinen and Smith. When this year have they had Koskinen and Smith? Well, he was clear about that today, right? Like, that's clear. He's not, uh, you know, that's his. that was his plan, right? I mean, he, you know, he was pretty clear about that. Koskinen and Smith, Koskinen and Smith, Koskinen and Smith. So if you don't want them, you might, I, and, I, and I do believe this. I'm saying Vejmelka because it's a, it's a Holland type of trade. But I also would be, uh, you know, and I, we've talked about this, Dash, you know. I mean, Holland is not, he's not a big trade kind of guy, right? No. Like, if you're expecting a big trade, then, you know, go home and put your head under the pillow because it's not happening. Which right? is exactly why I don't think we're trading for a goalie. Yeah. I really don't think he's willing to give up valuable assets for that. We've got Smith signed for two more years. We've got Skinner. Next year's Skinner's contract, he has to clear waivers to be sent down. So are we going to keep him in Bakersfield the entire season? 
We may see. Are we we may see are we more of Skinner anyway pandemic? because of Woodcroft, right? We may see more of Skinner. Well, yeah, I'm hoping. Maybe. I mean, yeah. he hasn't lost a game for him in Bakersfield all year. He's undefeated in Bakersfield. I did love. There was a tweet out today <laughs> said the irony that uh, Koskinen has <laughs> kept, yeah. gave. Gave Tippett a job, and Smith was the guy that made him lose it. That was Mary Mary yeah. Lombard. Yeah, yeah, she's good. She's good. Yeah, Durst, you've been quiet over there. Yeah, I I think the only way something happens here is if he gets gifted a goalie. Like I I I do think there might be something to uh, Mark. Yeah, his name's Alex Stalock. No, I think Mark Andre Fleury gets moved uh, from uh, Chicago into Colorado. And then all of a sudden Kemper comes loose and then you have to find somebody that's willing to take Koskinen because he's got his no trade clause. So you have to do something there to make that happen. I think that's, 65 ifs you just string together to make right, that happen. Right. So what's the problem? What's the probability of that happening? That's By the way, that's my point. That's hemp burning in the fireplace behind him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I my the expectations I would, are higher than Durst's gas bill. I would love I I like I Josh. I agree with you. I think you know we'd be great to see what this team has because we haven't yet. We've not had the right coach to maybe give us the best out of what we have. And I've been saying this for a long time. There are a lot of rosters that are above the Oilers that I would take the Oilers roster over any day of the week. Yes, right? we are good enough. We yeah. are good enough. Not we're not just good enough, but this is the team that at the beginning of the season everybody had fighting for at least second spot in the division, right? Like this is the team that every Oilers forward said had more forward depth than they've seen ever. Right? Yes. Like this is not so we just got deeper. Yeah, and, and apparently, yeah, apparently we just got yeah, a whole lot deeper out of the team. Like I I just don't get it. And and the only there was a, uh, a a tweet today as well. Um, I'm going to find it, but it was, uh, and I really loved it. It was uh, basically we've got, you know, uh, oh man, I I got to find this because I really, this was uh, the thing we, they were talking about. We've got a great sort of legit top six. We've got you know Hyman, we've got Drysaddle, we've got McDavid, we've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Now we've got Kane and we've got Puliyarvi. Like there's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of teams that have a top six like this in the uh, in the league, and we and you know Tippett had this top six, but he wasn't able to get it done. And and um, the part that I uh, what was this guy's analogy basically was um, you're asking like a cab driver to drive a Ferrari sort of thing, <laughs> right? And in Tippett, and so we we never got the most out of this team. But if you, you know, there's a lot of teams that would be dying to have the top six that we have, right? And uh, and especially if that top six includes uh, Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, two centers, right? Like to have a top six with two of the best centers in the world playing on your team uh, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who has got to be one of the top uh, third line centers in the league, right? Like if you put him on the third line, he's got to be one of the best at the, in the league. Am I, am I uh, a homer for saying that? <laughs> and for those of you that don't know, uh, somebody was calling me a homer, bit of an inside joke. We know it's Homer, <laughs> 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 but some, some guy probably listening right now. 
uh, was calling me a homer sometime. Anyway, uh, like, yeah, I totally agree. Um, but I would still, if we got a better goalie, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be adverse to that. <laughs> I would not but, like, here's my thing on the goalies, though. Like, yeah. you got, like who's out there? Right? Like, you're talking yeah, about exactly. yeah. Elliot Friedman has come out and said that who they're not, he's not moving. Like, yeah. he's, he's yeah. not moving. Oh, is that what I hadn't heard that Friedman said that? I, I remember hearing Friedman say that on Hockey Night. I did too. Like, he's, he's not moving. Um, like it, Colin turned, like he he looked under every single rock over the last month or so, and there's been no trade, right? Like looking at some of the names out there, like the one that's kind of interesting to me is Vitek Vanacek out of Washington because they have Zach Fukali who's actually put up some good games for them this year too. And then they've got Samsonov, right? It's yep. like they could actually, they could sacrifice Vanacek and be okay. And that's not a bad looking play for the Oilers. But here's the other thing. We don't have a fourth round pick. The second and third round picks are kind of tied up in the Doug Keith deal. They're not kind of tied up. They're tied you, up. You, don't, you don't know which one it is. Right. And I would be very hesitant to give up a first for like a chance, right? Like unless you're getting a camper or a flurry, which again, I'm pretty sure I recall hearing on the radio that sources say that flurry is not interested in coming here with his no move, which wouldn't shock me at all. It's like him and Kemper are probably the two goalies I give up a first for, but I don't see either of them potentially coming here. Right. So like, not only do we not have the assets, but the market is so thin. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah guys, it is. Yeah, did you guys pay attention though to, to Smith last night in the first period? The, the guy does not look healthy. Like the movement is, is just awkward and he looks broken still to I me. I thought he looked better than he did the night before though. He did. I, like, I thought, I thought he, he did, but he could barely stand up the night before. Did you, yeah. did you see the Bronx first? cheer from the crowd? It, like, it was a dolphin like, <laughs> hey, from the opposite end of the ice. All credit to him for putting cheer. his stick up, though. All credit to him, though, for putting his stick up and giving the salute after. Yeah. When, when, when that first goal went in, it looked like he wasn't going to be able to get up like out of the net. Like, Did you see him go awkwardly into the into the yes. side of the net there? Like, It, it was painful to watch. I, I'm watching that, and I'm like, he's not even going to survive the night. Like. And, and we're banking on this guy to to try to take us to the playoffs. I just, to me, in the summer, that was the biggest area of concern, and they didn't address it. You know, they addressed other problems with this team. That's good, but that was the biggest problem. Yeah, but I mean, he flipped it, over every rock. Ryan's right. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. He's looked everywhere he could. There's not a goalie available, and there's not one that makes sense. I really do think that he would have already gone down that road if there was like. Vanacek's the starting goalie in Washington, Ryan. Like, I understand they walked away from Holtby and said, here, Samsonov, this is yours. But maybe they learned from that because Samsonov isn't the guy they thought he was or he's just parting too much with those other guys. But, um, you know, Halak isn't going to come. He's owed a bonus after he plays another game and that goes off of next year's cap for $1.5 Like, the others can afford another $1.5 What about Rask? Is he coming out of retirement? for? No, <laughs> Rask has already said he's Boston. No, Flurry needs 65 ifs to be here, like Dursa said. Hope he's not yeah. the answer. We're not giving up a first. And here's the thing, guys, is that the trade deadline is longer this year. And that makes more teams not knowing if they're sellers or buyers so you've got that much smaller of a window of sellers anyways 
And so if you look at that small window of sellers, who actually has a goalie? Well, like the Rangers aren't mention, giving up on Georgiev. They need him. Like you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't giving up on Mrazek. They need him. The deadline's over a month away, and the Oilers have got to lose some salary in order to to bring somebody up. Oh, we just keep yeah. uh, Cassian and yeah. Keith on the LTIR like the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning did, and we bring them back for the playoffs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Cassian... Oh, we know shopping Ca- at the trade deadline with that $9 million. We know That's Cassian's going to be the game changer. <laughs> he's oh, going to be? be the one that puts us over the top. Yeah. I mean, that... Um... So, okay, let's talk about that. Who's slotting in for those guys? You know, and is this well, is this a big loss, right? I mean, uh, you know, uh, I I think you know, it, and um, this is with all respect to the injury, right, Durse, uh, that Cassian had. Um, but is this, are these big losses to the Oilers? Uh, Keith obviously ate up a few minutes, um, but do we have um, do we have the team to uh, come in and and uh, and play beyond these guys? Jump ball. I think on defense, like we have a fair amount of depth, but it's not ready yet, right? Like you've got Broberg, Nemo Line, and Samarukov. Those are all fantastic looking prospects, but are any of them ready to play second pair minutes tomorrow? I don't think so. Like Broberg has looked good in a few games up here and just for his skating and his mobility, but look at the underlying stats on him. It's not good. His goal share is awful. Scoring chances again, like the scoring chance for percentage isn't good. Same with Nemo Linen. He hits guys, but the results aren't there. It's like, are either of those guys going to step in and play second pair in minutes? I don't think so. Right? It's like, if you, the issue with the Oilers D is if you lose Darnell Nurse or, or Duncan Keith, we're in a little bit of trouble. But if we happen to lose one of the guys on the right side, not as consequential because that side's deeper. Yeah, you can Chris Russell move over there. Broberg can play that side if he asked you, right? Yep, well said. Yeah, and I mean Chris Russell's out. Uh, we don't know why. Um, not sure when he's uh, when he's back. I mean they recalled uh, Broberg and Nimalainen as as you've as you said. Uh, defense is going to be a challenge, but at the same time, I mean to Josh's point, we haven't seen what this team is capable of. Right, like I, well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. You guys might think so, but I, I just think there's, there's more to be done on this team, and and we may see. I just, my biggest fear is we're not going to see, we're still not going to see it because we just don't have the the practices in between games to, to really That's work right. on the systems. As Dursa puts another log of hemp on the fire, there, I got a question <laughs> for you guys. Do you guys think that this is a Ken Holland decision? And I have my own opinion on this, but do you think that this is a Ken Holland decision or a Daryl Cates decision? I, my personal and only, I would have maybe said Cates before, except in the presser, he said he felt like it was time to get rid of Tippett and he called Daryl Cates. So I think, I think that if anything, uh, I've my own opinion on this is actually Cates might have been the reason Tippett was held on to longer than he was, uh, longer than he should have been, uh, and it might have been a financial thing, as a lot of people are suggesting. I'm leading you with that hook, Michael. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and so my That's my where I wanted to go. Yeah, my thought on it is that um, Holland made the decision. He called Cates and said, "Look, I can't, I can't deal with it anymore." 
uh, and it's time. Yeah, but it's clear he, you, it's man. clear he called Cates. He said that, right? He said I. Well, I he said that, and I got to believe the man for sure. But I agree with you in the fact that I think Tippett was still here because of Cates, and like we've all seen the where there's smoke, there's fire on the Cates financial decisions and some of the things he's done, and bringing in Keith for less money, and and all of these things that have come up. But that's the thing, right? If if they can't afford to pay Tippett while he's fired and then bring in another brand new NHL caliber coach, which they didn't, they brought somebody up that they're already paying a salary to. And you know, what happens now down on the farm? Who are they going to hire? And if this is the case and they can't fire, like I heard rumors, jokes or not that Adam Cracknell comes back from the Olympics as a player coach, you know, well, you're already paying that salary too, aren't you? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I feel like Cates has been pretty hands-off in most of the hockey ops decisions throughout most of his tenure here. So like, I think you could absolutely be right with the financial aspect of it. That he has his fingerprints all over because he's the owner of the team, right? He's the one foot in the bill. So yeah, absolutely. And I think there's, I think that's a huge reason why Ticket lasted as long as he did. And like you could tell that Holland was quite contrite in like yeah. he regretted having to do it. Like he, he didn't want to do it clearly, but he felt he had no yeah. choice. As a lot of we gave, he gave Tip a lot of his own rope too, right? I mean, like there was he's making roster decisions. He had his word in on getting Keith there because he was hard to play against. There's a little tip for you there, Josh. You can lead in on that if you want. Um, but you know, they, they were supposed to be hard to play against and I don't know, Josh, jump in. What do you think is Keith made us harder to play against or the easiest team in the league to play against right now? And my final thought on that is Tippett also brought in tourists and Tippett also brought in Smith and how has that worked out? But (laughs) (laughs) we're not, we're not hard to play against No, uh, at all. Exactly. One of the biggest knocks on us. I think it's so funny that the, the guy that is supposed to turn things around and be hard to play against is now out. So I'm excited to see what'll happen. Uh, but I did say to you guys, like, look, you bring a guy like Duncan Keith in, you don't bring him in for the regular season. You don't care. He can do what he, what he's brought in for. He can do just as easily off the ice as he can do on the ice. But what the, is that that he's brought? What is that that he's brought? Oh, well, the stability? Did he bring stability, you guys? It's been the biggest roller coaster season we've ever had. Has he brought leadership? Oh, yeah. Look at us all looking up to Duncan Keith. And what has it got us? A fucking 7 and 13 record over since December. Like, oh, no. He's a, he's a good, going to be a good example. And well, then go get your vaccine. Like, he's not been good for the team whatsoever in any. Like, Josh, what has he done? Off I'll the take ice you back that we need in the playoffs. Year. Last year, I, I laughed so hard when they said that we, we want to bring him in because he's tough to play against. Because I told you guys last time I was on the podcast, That's right? he was tough to play against in the play-in round. And his team got it, their asses handed to them the next round. Yeah, That's not the bar you want to put yourself up to. Like, it's yeah. go time here, guys. If, if he's the one that's tough to play against, and they walked into Chicago, who's not tough to play against right now. They got steamrolled. Like I've never seen a game where a team outshot a team 20 to six in a period. And I felt like we were being outplayed. We hit three <laughs> posts and I was like, good. We don't deserve those goals anyway. This is He's crazy. so hard to play against. He can't beat his own team. His <laughs> old team. That's shitty. Right. 
so I'm right there with you. Like I get it. Um, but I just, I don't, I like, if you look at half our roster right now and look at the stat lines, I would say, I would look at Yamamoto's stats the last couple of years and go, boy, I don't know if he's ready to be a second line winger in the NHL, but, but he is right. But he's obviously not produced like one. Yeah. yeah. He just needs something. They, they need something else. We, we have a good roster, but we certainly aren't playing like a good roster. Even at moments in the early on in the season when we were doing very well, it was a little deceiving because the things that were pushing us over the edge weren't sustainable long-term. We need to find something that's sustainable long-term. Your power play at 80,000% isn't sustainable. Stuff like that. You're funny, top two- uh, funny how, and this is something I've noticed, uh, McDavid seems to be getting the calls now, though, now that our power play is not <laughs> you know, at 50%. <laughs> that is true, yeah. yeah. Like, go figure. <laughs> yeah, like there's no game management there happening. Bullshit. McDavid's <laughs> probably the one player that this coaching change will affect the most. I really believe that. In a good you know, way I or think a bad there's a, way? Uh, to be determined, Michael. I think, you know, Josh is a coach. He can maybe support me on some of this, but, you know, We've got a we've got a team that's built to play off the rush the way Tippett had them going, you know, and the way that I totally that disagree on that though. We 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 weren't like play off the rush. What no Tippett, yeah. Tippett's <laughs> system was to get offensive chances off the rush. That's it the challenge I have. I didn't see a from his there. own zone. But, oh, I completely agree that I think Tippett had the wrong system in place for the wrong personnel. There, yeah. there I no, do believe that there, there was no, in the no attack last night. <laughs> you can the last night. I had a pretty good view and I'm actually working on a piece right now about what they were doing in the neutral zone, but I can see how they were getting some good chances off the odd man rush from it. But I think it resulted in a lot of icings and a lot of turnovers. That's right. And the amount also, of two on ones is sick. It's, it's sickening and it's high risk. And you look at all the odd man rushes that we're giving up. It's because of those systems. It's because they, they use those stretch passes. It's because Tippett has three guys low. How many times do you guys see three guys below the circles? Well, how hard is it to back check when you're back checking from behind the other net? Right? Like, I think that that's one of the, it's, I wrote down some things before we started. Like you look at the, the three major things I think that are going to affect McDavid are here's, here's each zone. In the defensive zone, the system that Woodcroft plays has the center supporting. So the the center has to be down low with the defenseman. That suits Dreisaitl's game. That doesn't suit McDavid's game. Um, the way that Tippett did it was first man back. So first man back supported the D. Well, that's good when it's Hyman and when it's Fogel and when it's whatever. But that caused a lot of chaos and it caused a lot of... Um, running around i think for because people were trying to figure out where they're so now connor has to in the defensive zone come back and support um in the offensive zone he's going to have a harder time because um woodcroft plays a two one two so now there's going to be a high guy you've got the f3 or the third forward staying up and connor doesn't have that support now down below the goal line where he had three guys to be able to help him cycle and then you look at the neutral zone where Tippett had um, either on breakouts, he would either do the stretch passes, whereas Woodcroft is more of like a five-man breakout kind of person. Um, and when you're breaking out as a unit, I think that also cuts down on the high danger chances against. 
Um, but when they're through the neutral zone, Woodcroft will either play a 1-1-3 or a 1-3-1. And that'll help solve the gap problem that we have because our defensemen like Keith and Bouchard and Barry, they're not making good defensive decisions. Their gap control, their foot speed, whatever the fuck it is, whether Barry's hurt right now, which is what it looks like to me, all of those things are going to make Connor's job harder in the neutral zone now playing a one, three, one, because he's got to come back and support there. Well, too. 90% of those odd man rushes though, were poor decisions at the line. Right. Like that was sure. Because yeah. you make a bad pinch, but that yeah. now that pinch or that gap you've created by making a bad pinch gets covered because you're playing but that's a one, discipline three, one. though, because like the that neutral bad zone pinch, is more that's all about up. discipline. Right. Like that to me, is, it's about is, decision yeah. making too. And it's not knowing yeah, when to go and when not to go. What's that? What's that, Ryan? Reed. Did you see the Marty St. Louis press conference where he's talking about reads? Like he, he no, said no. he hated playing in systems because the best players know how to read the game. They know how to make reads on the fly. And if they're stuck playing in a system, then that removes their ability to read on the fly. It's like a situation like that, a defensive, like a pinch on the offensive blue line from the defender. If you're going to go, you got to go and you got to get a piece of the puck for the man. <laughs> Right. If you're not yeah. getting one of those, then you're going, you're skating hard back the other way and watching it go in your net. Right. Now, of course, and Marty, a lot of the time Marty St. Louis is experimental right now. Right. So we'll see. We'll see. How, we'll see how his, it could be, it could be he's, uh, he changes the fortunes of the Canadians and everybody says, whoa, he really knew what he was talking about. Or, or you know, six months from now, we could be talking about, remember when Martin St. Louis said that systems were a piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> to, to me, this, just, whole, yeah. this whole notion of a bad pinch is, is a nail in the coffin for this team because the forwards don't pick up, you know, if, if a defenseman pitches, then one forward's got to come back and, and take a spot. I mean, we're That's taught that we're taught that from, you know, like That's as soon not as the we system can, tip it played though. As, as soon as we can lace up skates, but that's what you need to do. Other, otherwise you're in trouble. Otherwise your defenseman should never pinch. A, a great, great suggestion. And we shouldn't, yeah. and we proved why we shouldn't. Right. Barry's a disaster when he pinches. Bouchard can be a disaster. Bouchard's defensive awareness. He has like, he has and, no and detection say, of and to say, and to say, danger. To St. Louis' point, I mean, as as a forward, if you're reading that, you know, your defenseman's going to pinch, you know, you just all offense. Well, that's great, you know, if you're up by three, but in a tight game, you're fucked. I'm sorry. You you, you got to read that you're in trouble. Yeah. What have we been up by three? The Oilers are often up in games, aren't they? (laughs) Exactly. You know, exactly. You know, I'm, I'm Josh, excited. what do you think? I'm, I, I'm really yeah, interested in Josh's coaching feedback here because Josh, like, this Josh is going to affect Connor's game more than anyone else. Josh Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just right. Like this podcast to be eight hours long. We got a coach <laughs> who's known for defense that has coached a team that can't play defense. That exactly. is horrible. Yeah. In the exactly. defense, As I though. said, wrong and system for the wrong defense, team. But like a defensive system that includes forwards too. Like you guys are saying. Thank you. We got a leader that's been brought in because he's hard to play against and has Stanley Cup experience. They're going to teach these guys how to win. Our guys don't know how to win. Like all of the the pieces that were brought in to solve these problems have done nothing. Like we, it's I I'm kind of with Martin Saint You know what, guys, sort it out yourselves. Let's just see what happens. Let's just how what do you want to be? And Michael, you bring it up all the time. We we're a team with no identity. You you look at the other teams that are like you know trots coach teams and and you know 
there's just an identity there. And so to your point about McDavid, let's bring this back. I'm going to point up two things. One is the Maple Leafs. I'll remember, I remember very specifically when Sheldon Keith got hired. Uh, there was Refused one game. to dump in the puck. <laughs> well, I mean, Let I'm, him we're finish. Let him finish. Management. There was one time where the Leafs got a power play. But the big boys, Tavares, Matthews, them, they were on the ice and drew the call. So they got taken off right away, and he put out uh, the second unit. And there was a whistle like 17 seconds into the power play. And they didn't even wait for Keith to say anything. They just jumped on the bench. We're going. And I remember Jim Houston doing the commentator going, oh, the big boys are ready to roll. They just called their own number, right? And, and they're looking at that as a good thing. Like, those guys are engaged. They want to be there. And I was looking at that like, if anyone did that on my bench, they wouldn't be going on the power play for the next three power plays because I tell you when to go. I have a plan three, four shifts ahead, and that wasn't it. You just messed my whole thing up. So, you know, if that's the way Keith wants to run his bench, that's fine. I'm not saying that some coaches can't work that way, but that might work for him. I don't think that's going to work in this environment for the Oilers. I think they need someone who's going to reel that in. So then I'm going to look at Ovechkin. And there was one year, I can't remember who the coaches were, I'm sorry, but the coaches were fired mid-season. And the first coach actually benched Ovechkin at the start of the year. I remember that. And then he was fired. And then they made the playoffs. And Ovechkin was benched in the playoffs by the other coach. And I'm thinking, is 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 are both coaches wrong about how the year was that going? That was Boudreaux and Trotz. So, you know, if you have a coach who's willing to do that, and sometimes that backfires and the star just gets the coach fired. But there were changes in Ovechkin's game that were very significant to helping that team become winners. It wasn't all of a sudden he, he used to go down and their line would change, but he'd stay on for an extra 20 seconds, get a shot on goal. So he'd have like 4,000 shots in the season. But the guy who's supposed to replace him missed 20 seconds of his shift. And when those guys are only getting 40 second shifts, that's half your shift. How's that player going to help him? So all of a sudden he was reined in, his shifts got a little shorter. He was, he was doing different things and contributing different ways, but it also allowed the bottom three lines to contribute more and, and support him more and be more engaged in the play. I'm hoping that that's going to happen here. I hope there is some sort of rain on McDavid and Dreisaitl's ice time. Doesn't mean you can't sneak them on for extra shifts, yeah, give them extra exactly. time. It doesn't mean they shouldn't play anymore, but there's a difference between playing – I always talk to my junior guys. This will be the last one. And I'll let someone else talk. But you talk about your guys. days in Detroit, there, uh, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The my guide in record book. Happy days. <laughs> Wait, I told them. Look, even kids, like when I coach minor hockey, and I'm looking at kids going, Everyone you know, <laughs> let's just say Austin Matthews. He played 23 minutes one night. For example, I'm just picking random numbers, but. When you look at their shift count, he played 27 shifts. So what does that tell you automatically? That every one of his shifts was less than one minute long. There's a difference between playing 28 minutes a night and, and spreading that over 22 shifts and having super long shifts and extending them versus having 28 minutes a night and having them in short bursts or sneaking them on when the other team gets their fourth flight on for 30 seconds. It's okay to go on for 10 seconds. And if nothing's happening, come off. But when you stay on and try and force it all the time, like some of these guys do in the three-on-three overtime or late in games when we're losing, if you try and force it all the time, it's not going to happen. Like, that's the kind of thing that I hope changes. In-game coaching. In-game in -game coaching, right? 
I'm interested to see like if, you know, McDavid's out there for an extended shift, draws a power play, but he's out there for like a minute, minute and a half. And they get that power play. If, if Jay Woodcroft, you know, has the cojones to start somebody else, you know, on the power play or do something that is totally unheard of and call timeout before a key power play. That kind of stuff. That's what intrigues me. Yeah. Woo, woo. Actually, co- actually coaching, you know? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, I think Woodcroft, we're going to see some differences for sure immediately. Uh, and I think ice time and u- utilization is probably going to be the significant difference we'll see. One of the things, um, and for those of you watching, Josh put together um, a video on uh, YouTube uh, for heavy hockey uh, on the fourth line uh, in the Ottawa Senators game. And it was, um, you know, it was interesting in a lot of uh, reasons. And, and But the biggest one was how the fourth line continued to keep possession for the team. They didn't go out there and score 10 goals, right? Because we're always talking about depth scoring. You don't need the fourth line to go out there and score. score. But they need to play a role, right? And the... And the team has to, like the third and the fourth line, have to have a role. And when they have that role and they're doing it consistently and they're playing the minutes so they can have that role, then the rest of the team is elevated by that, right? And those, so that if you go back and you watch Josh's breakdown of that fourth line, the rest of the team is elevated by the way the fourth line, fourth line plays. They might only play 10 minutes a night. In Tippett's case, they might only play three. Uh, you know, but the, you know, their job is to get out there and elevate the team, right? That's their role. And that's why, you know, like, I don't know if we'll see him, but that was one of the things I loved about Benson when he was playing is he was a role type of player, right? And you, and this team has role type of players. You know, you talk about using the, (laughs) using the team we have, they've got role type of players, but they gotta be utilized properly. And, and, um, I think, you know, and I hope because, look, in the AHL, it's it's probably even more important than in the NHL that everybody plays their role. Right. Like this. That's the type of league that it is, you know. Uh, but I think if you got the third and the fourth line they're you know, they're maintaining possession, they're doing all of the things they need to do, then it's it's just like baseball, you know, protecting a batter in the order. Right. You start to protect your top two centers in the order. And they're not so easy to play against anymore. You telling me that like Calgary, who you just walked over Vegas and walked over Toronto, has has more you know <laughs> more to give on those on those bottom two lines? Like they don't even have more to give on their second line, but they're giving more because they're coached better, they're doing better uh, because they're out there every night, you know, playing the same type of they're playing identity hockey, right? And they're getting it done. Would you take Goudreau, Kachuk, and Lindholm over McDavid and anybody any day of the week? No, there's not a chance in hell. But who's who's producing more lately, right? And uh, it's because he's got them playing role-style hockey, and, and they're giving Goudreau, Lindholm, and Kachuk the right times of the game to get in there and be, you know, be uh, – uh, difference makers, right? And that's, well, that's, and that's the all key. part of it. I'm glad my eye test matches stats sometimes. Thank you, Natural Statric. Um, <laughs> well, you're, you're the danger now that you've seen that site. 
I am. I, I was so excited to see how few, the key part of that to me is every time they came off the ice, the puck was in the offensive zone or we had possession. So every time McDavid and Dreisaitl came in, there was either a face-off in the offensive zone or we had possession and they were able to go to the attack right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of having to spend 30 seconds of a shift trying to get the puck, because then what happens is they they said, well, I've been on 35 seconds, but I only just got the puck now. So then they go up and they spend 45 or 50 seconds. All mm-hmm. of a sudden their shift half is a minute and a half. Then they got to come back and get the puck. Because Tippett didn't and, trust them, trust like, anybody else though, right? It, like that's it, why. It, so they were just they were set up to succeed in that one game and, and it was just so <laughs> clear yeah all right dash you've been nodding your head i know you're dying to say something we're, no we're, i mean i just agree with josh i think that's yeah. really well said to be honest yeah no i nothing other than i think that's very accurate exactly all right guys my, my favorite part of that game was when when he actually recognized that and took those players and injected them into other lines that weren't going so well, by the way, in the third period. Rewarded. Was like, rewarded. Was accountable to the guys on the team. Well, Dursa right? mentioned that yeah. earlier. He said that he thought he'd found the solution, and then he just went away from it again. Right. Yeah. Fix what isn't broken. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. how you put it. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why, you know, I mean, it all – it, it all became obvious, right, when he split up the Yamo, Nuge, and Drysidle line, uh, which, you know, they've never got that chemistry back. And I don't know why you took it away. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. you know, that was that was a game changer, right? That line was a game changer. And, and maybe one of the hottest lines we've seen in oil country in a decade. Yeah. Right? And they were all... Like they just looked like they looked like uh, Sedin twins, but as triplets, <laughs> right? The way they were playing together, you yep. know, they were just uh, and it, and then, you know, he split them up. I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going on in his head? All right, guys, we're um, it's uh, ten thirty over there in uh, La La Land, and uh, it's uh, getting late. Anything else left to uh, left to talk about? We've got uh, tomorrow night's uh, the Islanders. Let's just uh, do a quick uh, roundtable thoughts on the game tomorrow night. Uh, you know, a couple quick sentences. Try to keep it under ten thousand words. Dash. Um, and uh, you know, oh, well, you hired me. <laughs> and do you think? Do you think? Uh, do you think the? Uh, the Oilers uh, will come out and play one for Woodcroft and, and win tomorrow night. Lotzi, you start us off. Oh, hard to say if they're going to win one tomorrow night or not. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yes, they will win tomorrow night because this is positive change in the room. We'll see how that turns out. And there's opportunity for guys all of a sudden. There's opportunity for somebody in, Ka- in Cassie's role, whether that's Benson or Perlini or whoever else. And there's certainly opportunity on the back end. So you got guys that are chomping at the bit to get in there and uh, a little bit of life injected into the room tomorrow. So, yeah, I'll say Oilers win tomorrow. Right on. Durst? Um, I'm excited to see what kind of team is on the ice tomorrow like how this you know it's there's been a lot of change for some of these guys they've went through a lot of coaches and uh, it probably doesn't feel very good for them today to be uh you know saying goodbye to dave Tippett, but maybe it regalvanizes them and and uh 
you know, there's a little bit of zest in their step tomorrow. So I, I'm hoping they come out and play a play a strong game. I'm hoping Stuart Skinner's uh, in between the pipes tomorrow and Smith gets a night off. Uh, I don't think he needs to go uh, every game, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see on that front. I think it takes a little bit for us to see a real change in, in kind of style of play. I don't think there's really enough time for Dave Manson and Jay Woodcroft to change too much, but uh, the lines coming out tomorrow is probably going to be the hottest thing in oil country uh, since uh, the news broke at what, <laughs> nine yeah. o'clock today. Yeah. I would suggest <laughs> to you though, <laughs> I'd suggest there's a, there's a whole bottom half of that lineup that while they might not celebrate publicly are pretty happy tip it's gone. Uh, Dash, your thoughts on the Islanders game tomorrow night? Yeah, to your point on those guys that are celebrating, I'd, I'd agree, right? It makes, and you said it earlier too, I think, Michael, and it just, you know, reminds you of Todd Nelson, you know, and what this reminds me of personnel wise was when Todd Nelson had Anton Lander. And, you know, in, in the AHL, he was a, a gem. Um, Nelson had Lander in the NHL and he was a gem. And then McClellan came in and he was gone, right? And, you know, Lotsy said that too. It's, it's who's going to take, uh, you know, the torch of opportunity, if you will, and, and grab this by the horns and run with it. So, um, unfortunately I agree with Durst that it's going to be extremely exciting to kind of see how these <laughs> lineups get rolled out, um, to answer your question. Uh, I think they will beat the Islanders. I think we'll get a, a quick little short bump. I don't think we're going to get a Boudreaux 10 game bump. Um, I think we just have too tough of a schedule and too short of games and on the road, but yeah, I'll take a win against the Islanders, but I'm not sure how it goes the next three or four games after that. All right. Uh, Josh, I am going to uh, give you the last word, but uh, before I'm just uh, going to say a couple of things. So how it works, Josh, if you remember, you get the last word of the night. We talk about the Islanders game tomorrow night, and then when you're uh, when you're done and and um, and everybody stopped interrupting you, you say good night, and we'll uh, we'll call it a night. I uh, just want to thank you guys. We've got Mike Dursa here, of course, tonight. You can find him at Mike Dursa on Twitter. He is uh, one half of the Straight Off the Pipe podcast and also a contributor on heavyhockey.com. We've got Mr. Ryan Lotzberg uh, <laughs> again at Lotzi something, something, something uh, on Twitter. Uh, search, you can... <laughs> search at Lots Rye. <laughs> yeah, search at Lots Rye. Uh, you can find uh, his stuff on heavyhockey.com. Uh, really great articles, lots of stats, lots of great stuff. We've talked about it lots here. Yeah. Lotsburg, Lotsy. Lots of Lotsy. Yeah, lots of Lotsy. Rise going down. That's right. And uh, we got Mr. Dash. He's always good for uh, a few words, if not 10,000. He's also a contributor on heavyhockey.com and the other half of Straight Off the Pipe podcast. And a regular regular guest on Oilers Live. You can find him at Dash in the Park on Twitter. And special thanks to everybody else that's helped Heavy Hockey get off the ground. Uh, starting tomorrow, we've got a little weekly mailbag that's going to happen on uh, Friday. So we have a few questions that the team's um, answered, and uh, those will be posted on heavyhockey.com. Make sure you hit subscribe. If you haven't already, go to youtube.ca slash heavyhockey uh, and hit subscribe. Hit that like button, comment, do all those nice things. Call me all sorts of names as everybody else has, uh, and um, and uh, have a great night. We'll um pass it off to josh to uh take us down the home stretch thanks josh oh and this is josh by the way 
He is uh, the man behind Tough Call Pod. You can find him at Tough Call Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can find some of his stuff on the Heavy Hockey YouTube as well as on his own YouTube, uh, Tough Call Podcast. Just give it a search. And, he trolls Leafs fans regularly. Yeah, trolls Leafs fans regularly and also uh, heavyhockey.com. So um, take us down the home stretch there, Josh. Oh, by the way, thank you for again for all of the Oilers gear in the background and the Halifax Citadels. Uh, have a good night, Shannon. Shannon doesn't. Shannon's not sticking around to hear what you have to say, Josh. Uh, but uh, there's good night, Ken Holland's yeah, burner. Right. There's at least one person sticking. No, actually, we've had a good turnout. Good turnout of people. So take us home. Well, we know Shannon is Dash's favorite fan so uh <laughs> that's right obviously he's gonna leave as soon as it's he knows dash isn't gonna speak anymore <laughs> two that jersey is one i wore as a 12 year old in a tournament in montreal nice. it's uh nice. we we wore the halifax Citadels jerseys and i've had that ever since i was 12 like i said i'm only 25 so it hasn't been that long, <laughs> a but. few years ago yeah. <laughs> yeah and three i don't know that i didn't think i'd ever get to have the last word in you guys all have these long bios like you're padding the stats here <laughs> But it's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, but now to the Islanders game. Uh, I think it's probably a good time for us to play a run of not that bad teams because now they have no idea what to expect from us. They 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 have no tape to look at. It, no. We don't even know what to expect. So I think it's going to be awesome. Um, what I'm looking for is... There's never been an Oilers game. You know, you talk about puck lock and things. Uh, be rewarded for doing the right things. The Oilers this year, I've never watched a game where we've lost, where I said, oh, you know what? We should have won that. We were just unlucky. The, the reason we lose is because we deserve to lose. And, and the times that we win, it's because we're doing things right and we deserve to win. I don't think we've had a problem with puck lock. I think we've gotten everything we've deserved. So... When I when I look at what this team is about to to enter into, I'm excited that we're probably going to be reward. We're good enough to be rewarded for doing the right things, and I think we're going to see the right things done more often. And because of our talent, I think we do have the roster. I think we're going to be rewarded for that more often, and it's going to be a lot more fun, a lot more engaging. There may now be because we're going to be involved in more games properly there might be more times down the stretch where we might say, Oh, you know, we were unlucky because you can't win them all. Nobody can win them all. But I, I think we're now going to be in every game. Uh, And I, I feel like that's going to be a change where when we give up one or two goals, I don't think it's going to be as deflating. I think it's going to be more of a belief. And I think it's going to stem from what we see against the Islanders tomorrow night, which is an influx of energy uh, an influx of belief, a feeling that players in that room are now all of a sudden going to belong and be part of things. That's what I'm looking for. And we're going to be rewarded for that. So I feel like we are going to win and it's going to be for the right reasons. And it's going to be one of the most exciting evenings in Oilers hockey in a long time. Good night. Hallelujah. Josh! I was, I was going to start playing the music softly, like at the Academy Awards or something. <laughs> 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 I was going to start night. playing an organ like it was gospel. You love the char- chariots of fire, Michael. Oh, man. You guys stick around for a second. Listen.
listen to that riff there. There we go. I played that piece. 